0: that we learned as children, and we tell our children favorite historical stories, favorite Bible stories, favorite family stories. And over the holidays, many of us will get with our families, and we will tell those favorite family stories, won't we? And we won't just tell them, we'll retell them. And next year, we'll retell them again, and year after year, we retell the stories, and they never get old. One of my favorite family stories comes from Cheryl's family. Her mother's brother is named Tommy, but everybody knows him as Bubba. And that may go a long way toward explaining why I love not just this story, but his stories I am not exaggerating when I tell you he is a storyteller par excellence. And the key to his craft of storytelling is he never lets the truth stand in the way of a good story. Some of his friends call him four by, which means if you divide what he says by four, you'll come up with about the truth of the story. I can't tell you the number of stories I've heard him tell, and the end of it goes something like this. And that, kids, is how I saved the world from certain destruction. But this particular story I'm thinking about is mostly true, I'm sure. The tractor that he had needed someone to pull him off so that he could pop the clutch and jump the tractor off in that way. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. We have personal experience in it. And so he waited for someone to come and do it, and his wife volunteered to do it. While he grew up outdoors and farming and things like that, she did not. So having no other option, he agreed with his wife Joe that he would let her pull him off in the truck and she got in the truck and it was a stick shift truck and he said that he hooked the chain up and he said I knew that I was in trouble when I heard her revving up the truck motor (laughs) he said the truck was just jumping and he said I couldn't stop her. And he said, without ever pulling the slack out of the chain or anything, she popped the clutch and took off wide open. And he said, it snatched the slack out of the chain and broke the chain and the chain came hurtling back toward him. And it said it was, now this may be the part that's not so true, but this is what he says. The chain came and hit him right on the end of the nose. And he said, there he is, blood running down his face. So she doesn't even know this is going on. she's taken off so fast, and she's going way out there, and finally she recognizes it and makes her way back. She comes up to him on the tractor that's now turned off, never jumped off. And she says, "What happened?" And then she said, "Hey, did you know your nose is bleeding?" <laughs> At a Sunday school Christmas party the other night, Mitchell and Nelda Poe were telling a similar family story about a family member who pulled a riding lawnmower down the road behind a truck, and the wife that was doing the pulling forgot that her husband was riding on the riding lawnmower, and she was going 60 miles an hour down the road <laughs> with him swerving on the, the riding lawnmower. Now, those are my kinds of story. For the month of December and this Christmas season, we are focusing on another family story. The story of Jesus. And we're doing it from John chapter 1. And There are three parts of the story of Jesus for us to see here. Part number 1 is the Word. And when I reference the Word, I am talking about the eternal, heavenly, holy, divine, personal, creating, life-source, and light giving self-expression of God, who is Jesus. And we covered this last Sunday morning. Part number two of the story of Jesus is the witness to the Word. And part number three is the work of the Word. Today we're going to cover part two, the witness to the Word. And we're going to begin to look at part three, the work of the Word. We'll do this from verses 6 through 13 here in John chapter 1. So you follow along with me as I begin to read says there was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The second part of the story of Jesus, as we find it here in John chapter 1, is the witness to the Word. And that is the subject of verses 6 through 9, the first part of our passage today. From these verses, 6 through 9, I want you to notice with me the two things that it says about the witness to the Word. First, it says that the witness to the Word was a man named John. First part of verse 6 says there was a man named John. The John that's being referenced here is not the author of the book. It's not John the Apostle. Instead, John the Apostle, the author of the book, is writing about another John. In this case, he's writing about maybe a more well-known John to some of us. John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. All of the Gospel writers whose purpose it was to tell the story of Jesus have this in common they all began writing about the public ministry of Jesus with John the Baptist. We're going to see why in just a little while. Part of the Christmas story that we've become so familiar with over the years is the story not only of how Jesus came into the world, but the story of how John the Baptist came into the world. John the Baptist's father was a priest named Zechariah. His mother was Elizabeth. Elizabeth had been barren, unable to have children for many, many years. And by the part of the story that we get to in Luke chapter 1, they were both well advanced in years, very old. And she was too old to have children, uh, never minding that she couldn't have them when she was of that age. Zechariah the priest was singled out for a The honor of a lifetime. He was chosen by lot to go into the special part of the temple and offer incense before the Lord. And as if this wasn't a frightening enough thing, while he was there, God sent an angel to him. And the angel delivered him the message that he and his wife Elizabeth were about to have a son and that they were to name him John, that God had a very special purpose for their son's life. And when Zechariah began to question how exactly all of this would happen, the angel basically said, I'll give you a sign. You're not going to be able to talk until the baby is born. And so he could not. Some of you may be thinking, I wish something would happen where Micah would be stricken with that same... Disease. When John was born, and the gathered family and friends began to ask what his name would be, Elizabeth, having been instructed by John, who was instructed by the angels, said, We're going to name him John, but that wasn't a family name. And so they weren't satisfied, and they said, Well, let's ask Zechariah the father, and they did, and he couldn't write it on a tablet quick enough, could he? His name is John and when they gave him this name Zechariah of course was able to speak again so the first part or first thing I want you to notice about the witness to the word is it was a man named John now the second thing that we want to notice here is that the witness to the word was sent by God to testify about the light this man named John the witness to the Word, the witness to Jesus, was sent by God to testify about the light. Look again at verse 6. It says, There was a man named John who was sent from God. And that word sent is not only significant in the Gospel of John, but it's significant in the Scripture. It speaks here of how John had a special mission from God that was the reason for His existence. In the same way that Moses had been sent by God to lead the people out of Egypt, in the same way that Jesus sent the apostles out into the world on His behalf, in much the same way that God the Father was sending Jesus into the world, this man, John the Baptist, was sent by God with a very special mission. And that mission is lined out for us in verse 7. Look there, it says, He came as a witness. The idea of being a witness is a repeated subject in John's Gospel. He talks about it 39 times in the book. John came as a witness. What does a witness do? Witnesses testify, don't they? Witnesses share what they know. Witnesses share what they have observed. John, it says, came as a witness to testify about the light. And the light here is going back to last week's passage, a reference to Jesus, isn't it? We learned last week in verses 4 and 5, that this second person in the Trinity who eternally had been the Word of God was coming into the world as the light of the world. Verse 4 says in the second part, and that life was the light of men. That light, referring to Jesus, shines in the darkness. Yet the darkness did not overcome it. John came to testify about Jesus. And he did. It was spoken before he was ever born that this was why he was coming. I mentioned earlier the account of John's birth in Luke chapter 1. Flip back real quickly there to Luke chapter 1. And let's see there how John's coming was all about him bearing witness to Jesus. Him testifying about the light. Look at verse 14. We'll read down through verse 17 in Luke chapter 1. The angel here is speaking to his father Zechariah. And he says, There will be joy and delight for you And many will rejoice at his birth. At the birth of his son. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him. Him here is a reference to Jesus, the coming Messiah. And He will go before Him. That's why we often call John the Baptist a forerunner of Jesus. One who ran before Him. He will go before Him in the spirit and power of Elijah, the great Old Testament prophet. And He will do so to turn the hearts of fathers to their children And the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And after hearing that, later on when John was born and his father Zechariah began to speak for the first time in months, look at part of what he said in verses 76 and 77 of this same chapter. You may have to flip a page. Normally, we don't have to flip a page to stay in one chapter, but it's a long chapter. Zechariah speaking, praising the Lord, and he addresses his child in his praise of God, this infant child. and he says, "And child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord, the Messiah that he is." To prepare His ways. To remove all of the obstacles for for people seeing Him and, and for His coming. Verse 77, to give His people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And John did this. Did you know that John started doing this before he was ever born? He started testifying about the light before he was ever born. And if you're wondering how an unborn infant could do that, remember the scene from the middle part of Luke chapter 1 where Elizabeth, now pregnant with John, makes her way to her cousin Mary's home who is now pregnant with the Messiah. And when Mary addresses her cousin Elizabeth upon hearing the voice of the mother of his Savior... John began to leap within his mother's womb, bearing witness to the light even then and causing his mother to do so. And so he started before he was born, and then all of his life was devoted to this, John's was. Uh, Later on in John chapter 1, we'll get to a passage where we see John testifying about the light. In John chapter 3, we'll see it in John chapter 5. In John chapter 10, we'll see it. You see it in the other gospel accounts. So he did it for all of his life, but it didn't even stop when he died. Did you know that some 2,000 years later, John the Baptist is still testifying about the light, and he's doing it as we study this passage this morning, and others like us are studying it. The same passage this Christmas season. He's like Abel in that regard. Are you familiar with that passage from Hebrews that says about Abel, though he is dead, he still speaks. I want you to see, as well as this, in addition to this, three reasons that John, this witness to the Word, was sent by God to testify about the light. Three reasons that John was sent by God to testify about the light. Reason number one, so that all might believe. Look at verse 7 again. John came as a witness to testify about the light, so for the purpose of that all might believe through him. That doesn't mean that every person that heard believed. We know that's not the case. It doesn't mean that every person who hears will believe, but it does mean that all would have the opportunity to hear through this. Maybe not every single individual, but all sorts of people, both Jews and Gentiles, people from all the peoples of the world, will eventually hear, and all those who belong to God will come to Him. And in a way, it started with the testimony of, john the baptist his purpose was really no different than the purpose of john the apostle the writer of this book as we talked about it last morning or last sunday morning when we looked at the end of the gospel of john and he gave his reason for writing the book those of you that were here do you remember what it was i have written these things to show you that jesus is the christ the son of god And so that you might believe on Him. And in believing, you might have life. John the Baptist's purpose was no different. He came, He did what He did, He said what He did, He preached what He did, so that people might believe on Jesus and have eternal life. And it's a reminder to us that as believers, our purpose is no different. And we saw that just a few weeks ago as we finished up the book of Romans, didn't we? What's our purpose? It's to use the abilities that God has given us to testify to Jesus to the people that God has given us. First reason, John was sent to testify about the light so that all might believe. Second reason. He testified about the light because He wasn't the light. Verse 8, He was not the light. And John the Apostle writes this here, and he, he continues to write things like this every time he talks about John in the Gospel, because there were probably some who were confused about this. As late as the book of Acts, you'll remember that there was a time where people within the early church encountered disciples of John the Baptist who still didn't know what it was about to be baptized into the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not indicating that they thought that John the Baptist was the light, but from that and from some other historical stuff, we may be able to decipher that there were people who were confused maybe thought that John was the light. John's ministry was so powerful that there were people in the crowd that thought that. There were religious leaders that sent and asked him the question, are you the light? But while others may have been confused, the person that was the least confused was John the Baptist. He knew he wasn't the light. When he was asked, recorded later on in John chapter 1, are you the Messiah? He said, no. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. When some of the followers of John the Baptist heard about the impact of Jesus' public ministry, they came to John and said, you know, some of our crowd's flocking to him. He's baptizing more folks than we are now. And John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. So John was sent by God to testify about the light because he wasn't the light, but he knew he was. A third reason John was sent to testify about the light is because the light was coming into the world. The light was coming into the world. Look at verse 9. The true light. And that word true there in their language doesn't just mean true as opposed to false. Instead, it means real or complete, authentic, ultimate. The idea here is that there had been other things that were lights pointing to God. Creation was. Uh, Conscience is. The Old Testament was. The law of God was a light from God, but none of them were the light. John is saying here, in contrast to to all of the little lesser lights that have come, here has come the light, the ultimate light. And also, in contrast to all the false lights that are out there, the light was coming. It was on the way. It was like that proverbial train that's on the track, blowing the whistle, bearing down, and nothing you can do can stop it. The light was coming into the world, and John came to testify about it because he was coming. There was a time where he had not come, and he was coming. And it's the story of Christmas, right? He was coming. The story of Christmas is His coming. The true light who gives light to everyone. If there is light, it's only coming from Jesus. Who gives light in such a way that that all people are without excuse for not believing in Him. There's that much light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was coming. All of the Old Testament is about that. The coming of Jesus. And for the Jews. It was all about the promised coming. Of their Messiah. Their Savior. Their Deliverer. Their King. He was coming. Into the world. So John the Baptist. Is the witness to the word. But. He's not the only witness to the word. Since we're in the Christmas season, think about just those witnesses that are associated with the Christmas story besides John the Baptist. How about the angel Gabriel? How about Elizabeth? Mary? Zechariah? The angels? the shepherds, Simeon, Anna, the wise men. Beyond the Christmas story in the Gospel of John, we'll see multiple witnesses to Jesus in addition to John the Baptist. The Samaritan woman was a witness. The works of Jesus, the miracles that He did, they were witnesses to Jesus. The Father was a witness unto His Son. The Holy Spirit was was a witness to Jesus. The Old Testament is seen as a witness to Jesus. The crowds bear witness to Jesus. The apostles do. And then Jesus bears witness unto Himself. And in addition to all these witnesses, there's us. Are you with me? We are among these witnesses. Believers, do you realize... Good or bad, we are witnesses to Jesus. So we want to be good, faithful, authentic witnesses. We are to be witnesses. Those kinds, that kind of witness. You say, well, well, why should we be like John? I'm not John. John had a special calling and all of this on his life. But similar to John, we are to bear witness to Jesus because the light has come. He he was testifying about the coming of the light. One of the things we're to testify about is that the light has already come. That is the message of Christmas. The light, not Christmas lights, but the light has come. And there's no light apart from Him. In addition to this, we are similar to the witness of John the Baptist because we can testify like him that the light is coming. Right? He's come, but he's also coming again. And so we could see ourselves as forerunners of the second coming of Christ, our mission being to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. We also should be witnesses like this. Because we've been sent. John wasn't the only one who got a commission from God. As Jesus left this earth after his first coming, he commissioned all of his followers, including us, to go, to as we go into the world, make disciples of all the nations. In Acts 1-8, similar passage as he's ascending back to the father he says you are my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world there are lots of ways for us to be witnesses to the word we can testify like John we can point other people to Jesus and say he's the light life is in him he's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world We can live like Jesus and testify to the light. You know what we're doing there? We're letting our light shine. As we do it, let's be careful that we remember that we're not the light. The light shines on us. The light shines through us, but we're not the light. Another way that we can be a witness to the Word is through giving to missions like we've talked about this morning and this month. Giving to Lottie Moon, during the regular part of the year, giving to the church, 10% of that right off the top goes to the cooperative program and to the support of our joint missions work. The witness to the Word is the second part of the story of Jesus in John chapter 1. Now that brings us to the third part of the story of Jesus here in John 1. And it is the work of the Word. The work of Jesus, if you will. Now that's the subject for all of verses 10 through 18, but we're just going to cover 10 through 13 this morning. Real quickly, I want you to see from these verses three aspects of the work of the Word. Three aspects of the work of the world. First, The work of the Word was to be in the world. Try saying that five times real quickly together. The work of the Word was to be in the world. Verse 10. He, talking about the true lot, the Word, He, Jesus, was in the world. And world here is translated from a word which refers to not just the earth, but the realm where people live. And typically when this word is used in the Gospels, it has attached to it a negative connotation. Why would the realm where people live have a negative connotation? We'll go back to the verses we read last week. The world's dark, isn't it? Full of darkness. People that are full of darkness as the result of sin and the fall into sin. Jesus was in this dark world shining even in the midst of the darkness. And even before His coming as the baby, Jesus, you do realize that the Word in a different way was already in the world. Right? He was already in the world. He goes on there in verse 10, and you can see how that would be. And the world was created through Him. Well, it makes sense if the world was created through the Word, which verse 3 says, all things were created through Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created that has been created. If the Word had created the world, if Jesus had created the world, there are going to be fingerprints of Jesus in the world, in all of creation. Bearing witness to Him. Even on every person who's made in the image of God, there's a fingerprint of Jesus. He was in the world in that way. Having having created the world. Through the Old Testament, He was in the world. As God spoke, it was the Word of God, Christ, who spoke. But in spite of already being in the world, and having having created this world, verse 10 concludes by saying, yet the world did not, Recognize him. My grandmother had Alzheimer's for 10 plus years. And about the last eight or nine, she didn't know pretty much anything or anybody. And that was devastating to my mother and to her siblings. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When your own parent doesn't know you. Or maybe a child doesn't know you. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus. He was the parent of the world. Having created it all. And when he came in physical, visible form, the world and all the people in it, having been made by him, didn't even recognize him Verse 5 said last week, the light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not comprehend it, did not understand it. Same sense here. The world did not recognize or know Him. In Matthew 13, 13, it speaks of people who see, but they don't see. John Calvin says that this is describing people who are voluntarily blind. You see, we shouldn't feel sorry here for the world. They were without excuse for not recognizing Jesus. Romans chapter 1 talks about that. So much evidence. Even apart from His special coming. For people to believe in Him, at the very least as, as Creator. But they did not recognize Him. His work was first to be in the world. The second aspect of the work of the Word was to come to the world. It was to come to the world. Look at verse 11. He came to His own. Own there means His own property, His own home, His own house, and it's a reference to the world. It belongs to Him. That makes sense, right? He made it. It's His. He came to a world. This is talking about His special coming that we celebrate at Christmas. He came to His own. And verse 11 goes on to say that his own people did not receive him. Who were his own people? Well, that could apply to everyone that he's made, but specifically it applies to the Jews, doesn't it? Israel. This was the people he was coming for. He said as much in his ministry numerous times, I've not come for the Gentiles, I've come for the Jews. And he came to them and they especially particularly had been looking forward to His coming. But when He came, what's said here is even worse than what's said in verse 10. In verse 10 it says they didn't recognize Him. Here it says they did not receive Him, meaning they flat out rejected Him. To His own people He came. And They rejected Him. For those of us that have been reading through the Old Testament this year, Shouldn't surprise us. The Old Testament is full of the story of Israel not recognizing God, not listening to Him, not obeying Him. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, God said, The ox knows its owner, even an ox. The donkey knows its master's feeding trough, even a donkey. But Israel does not know. They don't know me. They don't recognize me. My people. My people do not understand. Worse than not recognizing is rejection. It's like how wisdom personified in the book of Proverbs was rejected. It cried out to the foolish and the foolish just wouldn't listen. And this really brings into new focus for us the significance of the coming of Jesus. What makes His coming all the more remarkable is the kind of world He came to. A dark world that wouldn't recognize Him. And the people that He came for. People that would reject Him. Later on in John chapter 3, verse 19, it summarizes it in this way. It says, this then is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. A third aspect of the work of the Word was to make those who believe children of God. Third part of the Word, that the Word Jesus would come to do is to make those who believe children of God. Look at verse 12 and verse 13. Here's one of the best words in the Bible. But. Right? Right? I mean, look, you get verse 11, he came to his own, his own people didn't receive him. Verse 10, he was in the world, but the world didn't recognize him. But to all who did receive him, I don't want you to think for a moment that the rejection of Jesus by the Jews and the fact that the world did not recognize its own creator means that God's plan had failed. Look, God's plan never fails. The rejection of Israel meant the salvation of Gentiles. All a part of the plan of God. But to all who did receive Him, and there were Jews that received Him, and would be Gentiles who received Him. To all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be the children of God. What does it mean to, to have the right to be children of God? It, it means that we don't, that's not a right that belongs to us apart from Jesus. Look at me. God doesn't owe Jesus to any single one of us. He doesn't owe salvation to any single person. But through Christ, He has given them the right to be the children of God. Right means the honor The privilege. He has made us worthy is what it means to be the children of God. Or as Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 puts it, He has qualified you to share in the saints' inheritance. To all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be the children of God. We're not sons of God like Jesus, but we're adopted into the family. How about that notion of God picking you to be his own child? <laughs> I knew I was special. No, we're dark. We're full of darkness. We would have been those apart from the grace of God who didn't recognize and rejected. And there were times in our life where we were. But he's made us his children, adopting us in Christ. It says to those who believe in his name. this is how we receive him going back to the first part of verse 12. to those who did receive him, well the way we receive him is through believing in his name and that doesn't mean to say I believe in the name of Jesus. to believe in his name means to believe in all that he is. And to count on that for salvation and being right with God in eternal life gets back to the purpose of the book it's about believing in Jesus. So that we can have life. Verse 13 says about these who become children of God. You know, if you're a child, you've been born. It says who were born not of blood. That means that our birth into the family of God is not by natural descent. Israel is a picture of that because they had the physical ancestry that would do it if it could be done. It could not. Who were born not of the will of the flesh. It wasn't just a natural desire that we have that led to our salvation who were born not of the will of man, not simply a natural decision that we've made, but we were born of God. Listen, folks, the new birth, being born again, is a miracle. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, abounding in mercy, has made us alive in Christ Jesus. What a miracle. Born of God and folks when I say that the work of the word was to make those who believe the children of God he does this work he does this work all who believe on him become the children of God next week we'll continue to look at the work of the word this third part of the story of Jesus The story of Jesus is the story of what Jesus has done. It's the story of His work. Reminder. He has come. That's a part of His work. He's come. He's come to this world. A dark, sinful world. He's come to His world. I mean, it's His, including us. And if we're His, we owe Him obedience and faith and worship. He's come to save. To make those who believe children of God. And he's done this through his life. His perfect life. His death for sinners. And his resurrection. So believe. That's what it's all about. And receive eternal life. Become a child of God. I came from a great family. Many of you did as well. Not everyone can say that. But every one of you can be a part of the best family. And even if you have a good one, this one's way better than your good one. Believe. And become a child of God. You can't birth yourself again, but God says until you believe. Believe. And let God do His miracle in you. The story of Jesus is also a story we're to tell. So be a witness like John the Baptist Testify to who Jesus is and what He's doing. This Christmas, as we're telling all of our family stories, let's be faithful to tell this family story. The story of Jesus.